This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning to you. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. And amongst the stuff that we'll be talking about this week, appliance makers are sad that 50% of customers will never connect their smart appliances. Single tier for somebody in the engineering department there. TikTok is dancing to the tune of a $5.4 million fine for cookies. Those are some delicious cookies. That and much, much more. We'd love to hear from you today. Well, I'm your host, Jay White. I'm here today with Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor, and Wiltz Couture, IT Director with Rankin County and IT Instructor at Holmes Community College. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio's show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wiltz can help you keep it safe. And they can do both well, so you're in good hands either way. Uh, Wiltz, good morning. What's going on? How you been? Oh, man, going pretty good. I'm seeing now the, the sun is out. That shiny thing in the sky is actually <laughs> returning. So uh, the day is definitely getting better. You know, only in Mississippi where we can have all four seasons in like three days. Absolutely. I know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to ask if it had a, uh, any kind of uh, effect on the temperature as of yet, as it was uh, sneaky cool this morning with the wind, at least in central Mississippi. Uh, Jeremy, good morning. How things been going? What's what's up with you? Hey, good morning, you guys. I have been staying busy for sure. Um, I do have a uh, a little bit of a follow up story. Uh, the client that I was discussing previously that had DSL issues where their modem was cutting on and off every I don't know seven to fifteen minutes. Yeah. I had to do some weekend work for them, and I came back on Monday to set them up, and I had to download some drivers while I was on site. And I look over, and the same modem is still sitting there. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's funny, because I could have sworn they said that AT&T was coming to replace that. So I talked to the lady about it, and she said, oh, he came. He came, and he said that we should stay with that same modem. That's that's the one from 2005. What? I was Yeah, I was just floored. So... He was kind enough to leave another modem, but he didn't hook it up. So I'll be going there tomorrow to set it up because these people don't have a clue on how to do that. I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there with the AT&T DSL division. They need to get it together. Yeah, I don't know. The, 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 well, they're basically trying to kick DSL to the curb. Like we're, right. we're dealing with a couple of lines with that now, and it's like if you do, if you do anything to it, with the exception of disconnect, um, they pretty much don't want to mess with DSL lines anymore. They have so made I'm like, that's cool. Start putting more fiber, folks. Yeah. Well, see, that's the problem, though. These people do not have access to fiber of any kind. There is nope. no other internet option for them. They are stuck. So I don't really know what the future holds there, but AT&T has definitely shown that they don't really have much to do with it anymore. Yes, you sort of have internet. Right. Good enough. You sort of have what was once upon a time labeled as high speed. Keep keep paying us $200 a month. We we like that part. That's right. Yeah, hey, now, now it's, it's barely like old school dial-up. I mean, you know. It's awful. 
I mean, yeah, I add, add the sounds to DSL, start giving us the robot sounds back. I want the modem sounds back. If you're going to be on DSL, dang it, give us some modem sounds. <laughs> I agree. Dying I should just be sitting in that office with it going. Dang, no. kang, kang. Yeah, that would be That's that'd pretty be good great. impression. Jeremy. That was pretty Thank good. <laughs> I've been practicing. I, I, I went to a summer school. See, now yeah, I've got – see, lessons. I think this is all uh, depending on the era you grew up because I, I'm, a, I'm an AOL kid. So mine was more like scree, or something like that. Bacang, bacang. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I said DSL modem lessons, but I'm at 56K. Yeah. All I, know I really is, date myself. I had a 36.6. I think I had a 28.8 is what I came in yes. on, came into the door on. But uh, every now and then in the radio department, we'll, we will get hung up on the amount of money. 14.4. 14-4. We have been bested. 14 <laughs> That's right. That's right. The amount of money that AOL used to to rack up just from, I mean, look, an AOL Time Warner, that's a bunch of big media brands that all got wrapped up into one company because of the money that AOL was raking in every month. But if you think about it, I mean, at, at one point, they had 30 million individual users, uh, and that was $30 a month. Thirty million times thirty dollars, and that's this month. I'll let you do the rest of that math. Yeah, they were doing pretty good, and there are still people with that recurring thirty-dollar charge to America Online getting taken out. I don't know who's getting that money now or how much, what budget that goes to, but it still happens. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got uh, got money. (laughs) We've got Robbie, who's calling from Peru. Robbie, what's going on? Good morning. Hey, good morning. I was watching TV last night via laptop HDMI to TV, and my pop-up window came up that my battery was running low. So I plugged in the laptop, continued watching TV. Five minutes later, TV screen went blank, laptop screen went blank. So I unplugged it, and I went to HDMI 1, I was on 2, and it didn't work. So I pulled up my old laptop, and it worked fine. Can an HDMI socket just peter out? I mean, it could. But it'd be weird that you were, I mean, that it happened right when you were using it, unless there was some serious problem with the port on your yeah. laptop or your TV. Uh, it sounds more to me like because your battery was low, your computer was trying to conserve all of its energy to keep things running, and either it got unplugged again or. It was just so low that it needed to charge a bit before uh, running. Sometimes your battery will deplete faster than your uh, laptop could be charged. I guess if it was low, that would be especially true. Okay. Although if it's plugged in it. consistently, it shouldn't die on you. So have you left it on the charger and gotten it charged back up? Has it come back on? Yeah. I'm back to 100%. I plugged it in this morning. And I tried it again, and it's still not working, but the old laptop does work. So I, th- I thought maybe the cord had gone bad. Uh, it, but you said you tried another cord, right? No, I did not try another cord. I hooked it up to my old laptop, and it works fine. Oh. Okay, so then it's not so the that cord. Tells me the cord is, it's not the cord. It, and it could I went potentially to be the port on your laptop. Uh, yeah. Being in Peru, repair shops are rare to find and then being able to trust somebody they won't screw up your laptop if i could get the part is this something i could change or is there a module that uh, runs the hdmi 
So it, unless you are an experienced solder and uh, probably, uh, yeah, definitely micro soldering wow. at that, I would say no, because this is a component okay. that is usually routinely soldered onto the board. Uh, so you might want to look okay. at getting an external video card, like a USB that you could hook up with HDMI. Uh, or possibly uh, we just need to look and see, like, maybe if Windows updated your drivers on your HDMI or something. This is a weird issue for sure. Um, yeah. Do you have the computer in front of you right now? Um, I can be. Well, I mean, if you don't already have it booted up, it might take too long oh, here. But basically... No, no, no. It, it, it's, it's booted up and ready to go. Okay, so what you need to do is take a look at your device manager. If you're running Windows 10, you can access this by hitting the Windows key and X. Are you on Windows 10? Uh, I believe or, I'm at 11. Or 11. Okay, I got a blue screen. Okay, you said device manager? Yes, yeah, so if you press the Windows key and X, you'll see a little menu pop up in the bottom left-hand corner. Yeah. In that list that okay. pops up, there's device manager. Do you see that? Okay, I've, I've got the page pulled up. Okay, so now under device manager, you need to be looking in that list for something that has a, an exclamation point on it, something yellow, or something red. It's going to be under display adapters. Do you see it? No, it may not be there. there. So we've. I want to take a, a moment to pause here. We've we've gone through this a couple of times on air you ever have a problem with a device on your computer and it will boot up, you need to take a look at your device manager because it will typically tell you if you have some kind of a problem with the device. And usually it will okay. tell you this with an exclamation point or a uh, maybe a question mark, but usually it'll tell you something along those lines. But if you look under display adapter, you may see your video card or your integrated graphics and it may say that everything is totally normal. If you double-click on it, it can say device status. This device is working properly. A good trick to try if you're having a device that's just randomly failing like this is to right-click it and uninstall it. Now, when you click uninstall, there's a box that's going to pop up, and it's going to say, warning, you're about to uninstall this from your system. Well, duh, we clicked uninstall. But there is a crucial box under there that says delete the driver software for this device. Don't click that box yet, okay? Because if you don't have the driver already, you won't be able to reinstall it because it will delete it from Windows. So make sure that box is unchecked. Then hit uninstall. Okay. Okay. Now, at this point, your computer has probably uninstalled your graphics card. Your, uh, your video might look weird. Your screen might have even gone black. That's normal. When it comes back up, I want you to right-click... Just right there where it says display adapters, you can pretty much right-click anywhere on any of the names, but just right-click display adapters and click scan can for I hardware. Can I, can, can I stop you for one second? I'm on device manager, and what uh -huh. was the tab, the tab you told me to go to? Display adapters. Oh, okay. I thought it had disappeared. So you right-click on it. I have scan for hardware changes or properties. So um, you already uninstalled it, right? No. Okay, you need, to, you need to uninstall it. Make sure the box is not checked, and click uninstall. Well, there was an ADM, I believe, with the initials under display adapter, mm -hmm. and that disappeared. That's the one. That's your, okay, so that's your integrated graphics. So what you need to do is right-click, 
and click scan for hardware changes and windows will scan right. and see oh you've you've got a graphics card installed cool let's see if we can okay, install the drivers for that for you adn amd radon tm v, uh, vega three graphics yep that's it that's an integrated okay, so graphics right drive on, so right click on that that's, yeah so it, it did you uninstall it yet or are you still looking at it debating on whether or not you no. should do this I have not done anything yet. Okay, so right click on where it says, right click where it says the AMD device. Okay. And then click uninstall device. Okay. When the um, box pops up, make sure that that box that says delete driver software for this device is not checked. Okay. Now and click uninstall. uninstall. Yes. Okay. Your screen's probably going to go wonky. That's okay. It came back to device manager without. Okay. All right. So now right click where it says display adapters. That disappeared. Well, you should still see the generic display adapters. You might not see the one that says AMD, but that's okay because we just took it out. That was supposed to happen. No, the whole, so, the whole category is gone. Okay. Well, you can click on something else. Above that should be disk drives. Just right click on that and click scan for okay. hardware change. Okay. Okay. So it should have reinstalled the drivers for that. Do you see the AMD device popping back up? Uh, it's going wonky. Okay. Display adapters. Yep. That's what we wanted no, it to do. It did, not come, it did not come back up. It did not come back up. The display adapter did, but the AMD did not. Okay. So it says, oh, like, what, Microsoft okay. generic display adapter? No, I'm sorry. The AMD is there. Okay. So just Windows just reinstalled the driver for you. Now try to hook okay. it back up to your TV. Ah, okay. So oh. again, I'm going to oh, recap no. here while he's doing that. We, it's done. Whenever it's you have a device failure, you want to go into your device manager and just uninstall the device. You don't want to delete the driver because the driver is probably okay. It was yesterday when it worked. So most likely there was yeah. some kind of a conflict then you right-click and you scan for hardware changes to find the device again. And then hopefully, if Windows does everything right, it'll pull the drivers automatically. If it doesn't, then you have to go to the manufacturer's website for that device and get the drivers and reinstall them. That's why I say it's crucial that you don't just check that box and hit uninstall. Okay, so where are we? From the TV, from the laptop. Uh-huh. So, so it's, it's back to like it was yesterday. So it's working? Working fine. Thank you so much. One one more question. What are the keys that you press to get your laptop specs? Uh, so what you would do is press the uh, the Windows key and type the word about, and then it should come up and say about your PC. Click on that, and then you can see what kind of processor you have, how much RAM, et cetera, et cetera. There you go. Man, that was fun. I'm glad we could fix that for him. You know, usually it's like, no, it's still not working, but it's nice to uh, to be able to deliver a win. Absolutely. And sometimes folks might be like, well, why did you let that whole thing play out over the radio? That's not necessarily great radio. No, it's not necessarily. But at the same time, this will be in a podcast and it'll be in a YouTube video. And somebody will need to know how to do that. And they'll search it and, uh, you know, the the painstaking detail which we went through on that situation right there will be what somebody needs. So ultimately, 
part of the mission that, of the show. So there you go. Well, you know, that's the thing is I usually don't go that deep with things, but I wanted to outline how that procedure can fix a ton of problems yeah. on your computer just by knowing to go to your device manager and check and make sure the drivers were okay. I've had tons of students come to me and say, my, my wireless won't work anymore. And then I go into the device manager and I do just exactly that and bing or Google. No, boom. Suddenly <laughs> the network drivers start working and everything is good again. Yep. So it's a very simple thing to do. It could save you a handful of cash because if you have to take it to a professional, they're probably going to charge you a base rate for doing it. They might be nice and be like, look, I just clicked a couple buttons. Here it is. But a lot of computer guys and myself sometimes included, you know, we think that the stuff that we've learned over these years is, is worth something. So if that can save you money by taking it to a computer guy, it's an easy fix. And it's something that you can definitely do right there at home. You don't even have to take anything apart. It's beautiful. Um. Uh, going to get uh, into these stories we were talking about here in just a moment, but first we'll take another call. We'll go first to Covington, Louisiana. John is on the line. John, thanks for calling. What's going on? Oh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Um, I've been having a lot of trouble with outages on my traditional copper wire landline, and a friend told me to maybe switch to fiber, which is now available available in my neighborhood, and uh, just wanted to see what your thoughts are on VoIP. They, they mentioned VoIP, which I'd never heard of, which I believe stands for Voice Over Internet Protocol. And I wanted to see what your thoughts on the pros and cons of that would, would be. Uh, we definitely uh, give a good thumbs up to fiber. I mean, your Internet connection will go from subpar to superhuman. Um, as far as the switch to fiber goes, I mean, are you using wireless right now or do you have... DSL, what what are you using for internet? Well, that's my other thing. I'm kind of an older guy. I'm just now getting into, I guess you'd call it internet. I have an iPad, and I'm using it cellularly. I don't have any kind of modem in the house, or I don't okay. have a computer. I just have this iPad, which I do enjoy. But like I said, I'm using it cellularly. So I guess the modem, if I got the uh, VoIP, would put my foot in the door for getting maybe a computer in the future and so forth. Okay, so VoIP is is just how you talk to people, like kind of like talking on the phone, except you just use the internet. Um, but as far as your situation goes, if you only have the iPad, are you happy with the speed that it operates at? Yes, it's it's been doing pretty well. Uh, okay, I so I would say friends and so forth. But you, your your question here is is to to communicate on some kind of a, a phone, right? Because you're saying that you're having outages on your copper wire. So you want to know if you switch to fiber, will you have better phone service? Is that your real question here? Yes, they tell me I will. Uh, in fact, I spoke to an AT&T man, and he said yeah. he recommended the VoIP, which, I, like I said, I'd never heard of it. Just wanted to get the pros and cons of, the, uh, of that particular method. Well, uh, basically, VoIP is tied to your internet connection. So if your internet connection goes down, you lose your phone as well, which is foreign to uh, someone on a copper wire landline uh, because when your power went out in your house, you still got your phone, Have it, unless it's a cordless or something that plugs into the wall. Yeah, I mean, we Having employ pretty that, heavily at work, but I'm not really sure how much people – I've not heard of many people using VoIP at, at, the, at the house. Okay, well uh, – 
at least that's from you know from my I don't know about you Jeremy if you're seeing that with some of your are are people moving more toward that like I said my my VoIP exposure I mean we're we're all VoIP you know um, from the business side of things because we're able to manage our phones but I'm not really seeing it on the personal side. No, uh, most people have a cell phone. Uh, yeah. They don't really worry about uh, using internet through the phone. I mean, that that's something that's typically tied to your internet connection through your provider, but it's not something that people rely on. Most people are like, oh, yeah, I have that number. I don't even know what it is. Hang on, let me dig it out of a pile. Uh-huh. So if, if your cellular service works well, I would say just stick with cellular and do away with the copper landline and i wouldn't worry about the fiber unless you can justify the extra expense i mean it sounds like you're happy with your ipad you don't have any other devices and you just want to communicate with people so i don't really see why you need to have that at your house i mean it sounds like you're kind of on the fence about it so if you've just got the ipad and you're happy with that i would say stick with that now if you get a computer then you probably will want to upgrade to some fiber okay all right, then. Well, thank you. All right, John. Yes, sir. We appreciate the call from uh, Covington, Louisiana this morning. How about this, fellas? Appliance makers are sad that 50% of customers <laughs> won't connect smart appliances. Oh, <laughs> That's a pretty uh, – that's a that's kind of a flat-grade um, headline for this story, but you can already see where that could go in a bunch of different directions. Appliance Who needs Wi-Fi on their refrigerator. Come on, <laughs> dishwasher. Get it together. Appliance makers like Whirlpool and LG just can't understand. They've added Wi-Fi antennae to their latest dishwashers, ovens, and refrigerators, and built apps for them. And yet, only fifty percent or fewer of their owners who have gone to the expense of buying the ones with those because they cost way more. Yet only fifty stupid amounts of money for <laughs> a refrigerator right. that can get on Twitter. Right, and yet only fifty percent or fewer of those owners have connected them. Uh, the issue, according to manufacturers quoted in a Wall Street Journal report, is that. Customers just don't know all the things a manufacturer can do if users connect the device that spends their clothes or keeps their food cold. Things like providing manufacturers with data and insights about how customers are using their products and allowing companies to send over-the-air updates and sell relevant replacement parts or subscription services. Subscription services. To your fridge. To a dishwasher? This is loony. (laughs) the challenge is that a customer doesn't see the true value that manufacturers see in terms of how that data can help them in the long run so they don't really care for spending time to just connect it that's according to henry kim he's the u.s director of lg's smart device division think spelled thin with a capital q at the end um, LG told the journal that fewer than half of its smart appliances, if folks might not be connecting them because they're too busy trying to read how they stylize that imaging. But anyway, um, LG told the journal that fewer than half of its smart appliances, which represent 80 to 90 percent of its sold appliances, stay connected to the Internet. Whirlpool reported that more than half are connected, 
more than half. That's pretty broad. Wi-Fi connected smart appliances may be connected when they're first set up, but a new internet provider, router hardware, or Wi-Fi password could take the device offline. And a smart oven is likely to be far down the list of devices to get set up again once they're knocked offline the first time. That's silly. Uh, oh, it's not. The, it's not us that's wrong. It's the customers. They don't understand the product. What? That's just bad business. That's that's I don't a bad want my design. That's on your eggs. Not at the prices today. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. If, you're... if you replace the eggs in your fridge now, it will cost you six dollars. Yep. Yeah. Broken egg this morning. I got State Farm coming out this afternoon to give me an estimate. <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. <laughs> For its part, LG saw an incremental increase in water filter sales when it tracked water volumes on connected fridges versus non-connected fridges. Uh, oh. Both companies also suggested that new features, including safety alerts, are issued to connected customers. Whirlpool told the journal that customers, quote, have the opportunity to opt in or opt out of sharing data with the company. LG doesn't offer that option. But Kim told the journal that all data is anonymized. I can't even say that. Uh, LG's smart TVs were found in 2013 to be, quote, uploading extensive data to their servers about all the activity happening on them, including watching files on USB sticks, gulp, from a smart TV Nine years ago or 10 years ago? At the yeah. same time, LG admitted it was collecting this data, but it suggested the data was not personal and was only used for advertisement targeting or as a part of software projects that were discontinued. Uh, and if you ever used an old LG and you tried to use it as a smart television, you would think that a lot of it was discontinued. LG is far from the only TV maker to participate in automated content recognition. But it's one of a select few that also makes a dishwasher. More broadly, smart home or Internet of Things or IoT devices are too often built with an acquire, upload, whatever mindset. Uh, take the test models from iRobot or Roombas um, uh, that uploaded images of someone on the toilet to the cloud. That really I was happened. I going to talk about that. that. Yeah. Okay, so that... The person that that happened to, they were part of a program with iRobot. They had volunteered to join that program, knowing that the Roomba was going to be getting around their house. And so it had a camera on it, and it saw them on the toilet. And then that image got back to iRobot, and someone in the company shared it. And that's how we know about it. Woof. That's not good. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, you, you can trust us. The data is anonymized. Is that why there's a picture of me on the toilet on the Internet? Yeah. I think some of this stuff is just... Uh, Too much. I, I think it it's the right technology being served before the wrong demo. Who's doing the dishes most of the time, right? What's what's the age like group of the people doing the dishes most of the time? Super young or older in the household. And let me tell you something. Super young folks, 
is excited about this technology, but not on a dishwasher or a refrigerator. They got other stuff for that. And and uh, older folks, and I'm including myself in this age range, just ain't worried about it. So that's so, I feel like that's that's all of the issue right there. Jay, I, I had to look it up because I mean I'm sitting here racking my brain like what what could a smart dishwasher do? And I only base this Jer- Jeremy and Wilts because uh, if if you look at the uh, the, st- the statistical uptake of, let's say, smart thermometers that are online, I would I would reckon to say it's practically 100 percent. If it's not, it then, then they're not working. Right. So it has to be. So it's all about what's practical. And, and I think this is just and I don't know why they're like jumping on like they're turning themselves into martyrs here and maybe trying to I don't know if this is a, a, a market share thing or something like that or, or excuse me, like a, a a revenue thing for this quarter or something like that. Or if they're trying to get out in front of what they think may be some bad numbers for the next quarter or something like that. But I, I don't understand, you know, why they're. You know, jumping on their own sword here, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's just it's just something that it's not people don't want this right now. Not yet. Maybe I don't I don't understand this one. I mean, like it's like they were literally just sitting in a boardroom like, hmm, what else can we make smart? Have we done the dishwasher yet? <laughs> right. What can we make smart on it? Well, apparently uh, it lets you start and stop cycles, access maintenance advice and monitor your cycles progress from your home. Hmm, are those plates clean yet? No, no, the spoons need a little bit more. This is, I mean, it's its ridiculous. I mean, I'll like. I'll stick to who, the magnet, clean, dirty. You know, <laughs> clean, dirty, who that's would, right. <laughs> who would load the dishwasher and then walk away and go, I don't have to hit those buttons anymore. I can do it on my phone on the way out. That's, what? <laughs> right. it, it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't make sense. So again, it's like, this is a stupid product. Nobody wants to use this. Nobody's going to use it for the way that you've designed it because it didn't need to be, quote, smart in the first place. Yep. You know what this was? This was uh, especially uh, within uh, or how it pertains to LG. This was something that some guys saving face uh, rushed along into a board meeting when uh, when they were catching all sorts of heck about their foldable uh, tablets and phones that they were trying to rush out a couple of years ago. Remember how those kept failing out loud? Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, breaking and exploding and everything like that. Somebody, Bob, came along and said, hey, look, boss, we got the Internet on the refrigerator. And the boss was like, what? And they looked. At, he looked at something different and flashy for a second. And they were like, thank goodness we got the boss on something besides foldable technology. So in about 18 no, months, not looking forward. expect not looking Internet forward dishwashers. Right. Uh, you know, we had a a a a ridiculous amount of flights that were canceled or delayed because of the FAA having their entire system go down a couple of weeks ago, thanks to just a simple corrupted file. We're going to get into a, uh, something that Wilson wants to talk about a little bit or introduce us to in this next segment that could come in handy if something like that happens again in the future. Talking about FirstNet. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Jeremy and Wiltz. I'm Jay. Now, I went a long way around the block to get to what we're going to talk a little bit about in uh, this segment, which is uh, FirstNet. Um, But 
it was uh, the the FAA, which was ground to a stop a couple of weeks ago, uh, around January twelfth or on January twelfth. Um, it was led back to a corrupt file. Officials are still trying to figure out exactly what led to the FAA's system outage, uh, but they traced it to a single corrupt file reported by uh, CNN. Uh, they said they Jeremy, were. Jeremy, what did you do? <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> we had to run that update overnight, and it just, just went south on us pretty quick. Uh, they're still trying to determine whether any one person or a routine entry into the database is responsible for the corrupted file. Uh, a government official familiar with the investigation into the NOTAM, or is it uh, not AM? So, anyway. anyway. So, yeah. And, the notice to air missions for anyone who wanted to know what the acronyms actually meant. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. sir. I appreciate that. But that brings us on to um, something that could uh, uh, play favorably uh, in uh, the general public's favor. Uh, that's nice. If something like that were to happen again. And uh, Wiltz wanted me to kind of uh, uh, lead him in to talk a little about this first net. Well, tell us a little about what you wanted to uh, bring this up and talk to us about us, uh, this about us for. Well, um, you know, I, I kind of joke around a little bit, but here in Mississippi, we do seem to get all the weather. Um, yes. You know, we get hurricanes, we get tornadoes, we get fires. We have the potential of earthquakes, these thunderstorms we've had coming through here. And something that we see a lot happen when those things are going on and you know kind of going back to our earlier call we have so many people now that are relying on cellular both for you know uh, just their standard communications but also emergency communications and so something i thought would be interesting to bring up that some people may not be aware of is uh, firstnet and what firstnet actually is is it is a dedicated nationwide network for emergency communications and, you know, a lot of times when you say that, people off, off the top of their head, they start thinking, okay, that's for, you know, police and firemen. And it actually goes a lot more beyond that. Um, as a matter of fact, it actually has programs that can, you know, uh, people who are eligible to subscribe to it would be if you uh, work in EMS, if you work in many medical professions, so, yeah. you know, nursing, doctors, nurse practitioners, utility companies, emergency management um, National Guard, of course, you know, some of these things, think about all the people who are involved if an emergency happens in your your town, your neighborhood, your county, your state. And um, some you know, so I've been learning about that being over here. Of course, we, we use it with a lot of our stuff, but come to find out that it's not just for businesses. Uh, you can actually go in. And by the way, FirstNet is administered. It's only available through AT&T. Mm -hmm. uh, so kind of put that on out there. They actually have the network. And what it is, it is a dedicated to-be-up network. So when you're having these times of outages, FirstNet traffic will take priority in getting there. I mean, a good example of that, if you've ever been to a good, you know, a football game or some other event, and all of a sudden you notice your cellular is really terrible in that environment. Yeah. Well, the idea of FirstNet is that no matter what, that traffic will get through. Because, of course, we want our first responders. We want those emergency personnel to be able to get their traffic through and communicate as they need to. But this is available for people at home as well. So say if you're a nurse working at a hospital, um, you actually are eligible to actually get on the plan. And there's some pretty good discounts that go on to it. But I just wanted to make people aware that it's an option that is there. Um, you know, me personally, on my personal line, I'm actually running FirstNet now. Um, 
you know, we are emergency management. I mean, basically, if we don't bring these networks back up, the police and everyone else aren't talking. So it, it's pretty crucial that we make sure that we stay in touch and we stay in contact. So um, but I just want to kind of put it out there to, to our audience in general to let them know that there is an option there, especially if you're working in those. If you're curious, you can go to FirstNet. I think it's FirstNet.com, FirstNet.net, uh, FirstNet.gov. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong on a lot of that. There is um, FirstNet.com is actually yeah. There is actually a website FirstNet.com. That's what I've been looking at throughout the show. Yeah, uh, FirstNet.gov is the one. That's the actual administrators of it. My bad. Um, but FirstNet.com, you can actually check in there and see if you are actually qualified for it. There's about a 25% discount to your rates. That discount, if you're doing it for your family, applies to your to the rest of your family on your plan as well. Um, so it kind of it actually kind of helped us out just from a household um, standpoint, but it does help to make sure that we can stay in touch because we are all depending on, you know, Jeremy, you mentioned it before, when you're dealing with VoIP, when you're dealing with a lot of these internet connected services, when the internet goes out, they're out, and we're we're relying so much now on cellular. I mean, flashing way 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 back. Just remember whenever Katrina came through, when a lot of infrastructure was taken out. Um, you know, communication was pretty crucial. So I, I, I thought this would be a good thing to get out there in front of folks um, to at least get them looking and, and thinking that, hey, if you're eligible, it's a great service to look into to make sure that you don't lose communications. Thinking back to Katrina, I will say that uh, we still had cell service, but few people could charge their phones because we had no electricity. No power. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. And that, and look, that's, that's a way that it would apply uh, to MPB because – in a situation uh, like Katrina, and this is immediately what it made me think about in terms of how it applies to MPB, uh, during Katrina, uh, all of the north-south thoroughfares of South Mississippi were all turned uh, northbound in all lanes. And uh, at that point, especially when power goes out and TV stations start to go down, uh, they start to point people to the radio uh, for information and that was mpb radio for a lot of people that's this it's the state's radio network and that's this this is what it's for you know and and that's uh that's something especially in a situation like that you know heaven forbid that ever happen again but in a situation like that when you know folks are having to try to find a way down to you know, our, our towers down in Wiggins in South Mississippi, you know, or the one in Butte in Southwest Mississippi, and you have traffic coming from uh, the Gulf Coast area or from Louisiana, all heading north and pushing north. That's that's some pretty mission critical stuff to MPB and not just to them, but for the greater um, public service in situation yeah. like that. So that's that's a really, really important thing. And what's cool about it, if we could turn it back a little a little more fun for a second, this uh, part of it is push to talk uh, connect, uh, connectivity, which to me seems very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, now I've not started using that much, but I think some of our guys actually do. Yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah. that's that's what I will key on first. Now I know it's yeah. it's for safety, but I will be like, I want to just hit this button and immediately be able to talk to one of my kids and mess with them. So, did you just throw that pun out there without even like acknowledging it? That's what you're going to key on. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> my apologies. You know what I like about the push to talk phones is like you can pretend you're a little kid again with your walkie talkie. Yeah, exactly. 
Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking about. All right, guys, how about this? Uh, the big social media fines just keep coming, and uh, on the heels of Meta getting knocked with a $277 million fine from the Irish Data Protection Commission, it's now TikTok's turn in the spotlight thanks to a cookie crumble. And this is, uh, that's a fantastic wording of that. I cannot take credit for it. It's a writer named Christopher Boyd, who's writing here for Malwarebytes, by the way. Um, the Commission National Day, and I'm not even going to try the rest of that. The, S, the CNIL in France has fined TikTok UK and TikTok Ireland 5 million euros or $5.4 million for failing to comply with obligations set out in Article 82 of the French Data Protection Act. While some of us may consider cookies to be a bit boring, there's a lot more to it than complaining about those pop-up ads on every website. You can guarantee the accountants looking for these, uh, looking at these latest fines stacking up at their businesses are very interested indeed. Five million dollars in cookie fines. That's uh, five point four million, Jeremy, in cookie fines. Now, are those chocolate chip? Are we talking about peanut butter? What kind of cookie? <laughs> I don't know. We may have lost Jeremy there, but uh, yeah, Wills, I that's oh oh no, there I we go. My mic muted. <laughs> Sorry. Talk about the Cookie Monster, right? Exactly. Yeah, really. Five I was wondering. I mean, you talk, you tossed Jeremy a real good softball there, and it just yeah. Sorry, I, I totally received it, and I was <laughs> muted. So <laughs> it was right over the plate, everything. <laughs> oh, that certainly happens. That certainly happens. Yes. Uh, Wilts, is, <laughs> what's been happening with with the, the the county lately? Is there anything that you can uh, that you could tell us that's been fun at the job lately? Or I mean, very quickly in the new job, it went from you know uh, ballot boxes and, and cool stuff like that. And I don't know about Jeremy, but I was super jealous of hearing you talk about all the new stuff you were getting to work in and and pull oh, apart. Cool. Now now the uh, the name of the game is taxes. We're very we're very seasonal. <laughs> doing their their homestead and paying property taxes now so that uh that side of the house is, has been staying pretty busy. Um, a lot of people over there they're all looking very very happy coming in with their tax tax monies I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, no uh yeah it's 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 very seasonal. It kind of depends on what's going on and uh, you know before you know it um, near summer, we'll be back in. We're getting close to election season again. So I know, right? Uh, yeah. Here yeah, we... but you know, just really uh, a lot of moving things forward, and and uh, we're doing a lot of work and trying to make sure we can maintain reliability. I mean, at the end of the day, we want when a customer walks in that um, the service they need is up and available. At, at, you know, a, a constant want from the from your IT department. So that's really been a lot of our concentrations lately. Yeah. Yeah. And you did make you did mention uh, the, the the big election coming up uh, toward the end of this year. I'm I'm sure it will be a uh, a long haul to ramp up toward that one toward the end of the year. As uh, we end the show today, how about this? When Nintendo and Microsoft made for odd partners this morning, and I do mean this morning, announcing that a long anticipated remastered edition of the classic Nintendo 64 first person shooter game. GoldenEye 007 will launch Friday for players on Nintendo Switch and Xbox platforms. Like the day after tomorrow, Friday. Um, okay, so I'm going to play it. 
Because uh-huh. I used to throw down. But I, <laughs> I am kind of skeptical. Like, is it is it going to be good on the Switch? Because with the 64, you only have one stick that you could play it with. The, the control scheme was super weird. And if you picked up a Nintendo 64 lately, who hadn't done that, right? Right. <laughs> the controller just feels weird in your hand. It is very. Now that we've got all these, you know, ergonomically designed dual jewel joysticks and all this stuff. It's it's a strange controller. It is an artifact of history. The Nintendo sixty four's controller. Uh, a big part of Microsoft's strategy has always been how it bundles the services it offers its businesses. Uh, and that's great when everything's working. Less so when there's an outage like what we saw with Outlooks and te- Out- Outlook and Teams today. So that's something that Microsoft's been dealing with. If you can't email your colleagues and you can't instant message them, then what in the world's left? WhatsApp. Uh, the outage brings to a close a tough week for Microsoft that included layoffs and declining sales. In other news, uh, Adult Swim has officially cut ties with Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland in the wake of the voice actor's two felony charges for domestic battery and false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, or deceit. Boy, that's a charge. The channel says the show is still in production, but its reputation will have taken a severe hit as a result. The allegations. And finally, as we hit the door, Tesla says it's investing billions in its Nevada operations, which it says will help expand its battery cell and semi truck production. The new $3.6 billion round of investment comes in addition to the $6.2 billion Tesla has already invested in the Nevada Giga factory. The electric automaker will report its quarterly earnings result this afternoon. Silly tweets will be sure to follow. They're owned by the same guy, get it? That's going to do it for us today. Stay tuned. Coming up next is the original Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10 with another edition of Everyday Tech right here on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.